0: Hey everyone and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends or family or neighbours to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today we are joined by Hannah Dasher. Now her dreams in Nashville began 11 years ago. When she moved to town working for bass pro shop selling fishing boats during the day and writing and doing everything she could at night to pursue a career in country music now she actually got fired from bass pro shop for writing on the job but that came in handy down the line because one of the songs she wrote actually became a brad paisley cut so it all worked out in the end over the years she has continued to pursue her dream that began as a young girl back in savannah georgia so please enjoy our conversation with hannah dasher last tuesday i believe it was you had another opry performance and then on the weekend you packed out eddie's attic in atlanta so what has it been like what were those how were those shows
1: Oh, well, thank you for asking. Um, the Opry was awesome. I got to check suit on my bucket list and I did a Patsy Klein number. We just uh, filmed some things with Fenber at her Nashville home, which I was always wanted to go inside and see it, you know, just to go inside the house of one of your heroes. Anyway, but yeah, sold it out at Eddie's Attic in Atlanta. That was a lot of fun. And uh, just to, have people you know just that many people in a room without radio play yet or without a lot of radio play yet singing my songs back to me i just yeah it tickled me to death and now i'm gearing up for nascar and uh and some reba shows coming up so i'm excited
0: <laughs> that is awesome and was that your third time at the opry
1: that was that was my was it my third that was my fourth
0: fourth fourth okay and i know one of the pastimes you performed there Vince Gill was also on the bill
1: yep, Vince right on the roster yeah old prime medicine show were, was there last last week that was a lot of fun
0: and so with the Vince Gill moment I know that he was part of your first concert that you ever went to and so when you're in a moment like you are at the Opry and you're playing on the bill with him do you have time to sit there and think Holy cow! Like I saw him when I was three years old, and now I'm on the Opry stage with him. Or is life moving so fast that you forget to think back to those moments?
1: Oh well, I mean, I I I never forget to think back uh, and to uh, to appreciate those things. I've learned uh, I've learned, I guess, the hard way to try to soak it all in while you can, where you are right now. I spent so much of my life or career, I want the next thing, want the next thing, but uh, I've just the more mature and humble you know you get the more you really learn to appreciate and savor uh, everything that happens all the little victories. so but yeah I think Vince is a huge talent and took him six albums to get going but well, that was back when you know Nashville saw talent and they believed in that talent and they stuck with it and saw it through you know we wouldn't have guys like here at church or John party you know without teams that actually did that and labels that did that so um I'm just excited to uh, hopefully have a big shot to do it so
0: and talk about the first time you were at the Opry because I saw the video and there was a lot of emotion to it. So talk to me oh my Lord, through yeah. well, the I emotion.
1: Mean, it, it, I love country music as much as, or almost as much as I love the Lord and more than I love fried chickens. So that's a lot. And so, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's just a childhood dream come true. I mean, I've, I've never dreamed about, you know weddings or or wedding dresses or I don't know a lot of my girlfriends they've always like their wedding is their big thing they've always dreamed about kind of thing that's just not my cup of tea um so yeah it was like a big wedding day for me if you could uh, you know or if it was you know if you're a big athlete and you wanted to play in the Super Bowl it was like I guess that would probably it's probably what it felt like when they was playing the Super Bowl. So
0: <laughs> and you were on another stage when you got invited to the Opry. It wasn't like you got a phone call or it was on Zoom like some art other artists get. You were actually on stage at a show and they came up and invited yeah. you to the Opry. So you sort of held yes. it together in that moment. You couldn't speak, you kind of handed the mic back. Um, but when you got off that stage, what was that moment like when it sunk in? that it was going oh,
1: to happen. right i mean yeah my, my debut was september but we just had the four-year anniversary or the two-year anniversary so it was september 27 of 2019 it was awesome i mean the opry is a they the most special part about it was it's like they the staff they told me they said we feel like this but like the opry house has been waiting on you you know and they just so just to be embraced by everybody there I mean, they treat me like family and they let me do three songs even though you know, only the big guys get to do three songs and you now let me do a sound check and bring as many people as I want, band members or whatnot. I just they just treat me like uh, they just treat me like family over there. So I'm so thankful to have that foundation and to have that uh, affirmation here in town. And uh, they are really supporting my music because it's country music, you know, but like the half record is, uh, you know, it's just a taste of what we got coming
0: growing up when was the first moment that you can remember the opry was like the was that a big thing for your parents as well were they big enough country fans that the opry was a, a big deal for them as well
1: my grandparents definitely were my grandparents uh, liked to dance in the living room to country music they call it toddling uh a jitterbug or things like that but uh, they exposed me to hank williams and uh, Jim Reeves and Merle Haggard and all that good stuff and Marty Robbins and uh, and yeah back back then there was TNN if you were growing up as a kid in the 90s there was the Tennessee News Network and Porter Wagner hosted Opry backstage and they played Hee Haw reruns and you got to watch the Opry every Saturday night and then I believe the Statler Brothers show came on after that and my grandmother loved all that kind of stuff my nana she's still alive she loves all that mess still and but yeah I mean good heavens they a kid that really loves country music I mean obviously the Opry is A pinnacle thing for them. And, uh, you know, while I dream of selling out stadiums, my ultimate goal is to become a member one day. And uh, if I can do that before the Lord comes back, I think that'll be awesome. Even if I don't, I'm still content to, uh, to get to play there as often as I do.
0: And I was going to ask you about your Nana because she <laughs> appears once or twice on your social media and it really feels like you maybe get some of your personality from her. It feels like she has that big Guilty. outgoing personality. And so just talk about her influence growing up and what she meant to you outside of necessarily introducing you to country music, but just her personality and what you took from her.
1: Oh, good Lord. My Nana is, a, she's a gangster. I will say that, uh, the hoodlums, she calls uh, like neighborhood brats hoodlums, the hoodlums, she said were they were stealing all the uh, American flag paraphernalia off of my grandfather's grave, and she got tired of replacing uh, the American flags and wreaths every time she'd go through the graveyard to, to put fresh flowers or whatnot, so she, uh, instead of just replacing it with an American flag wreath, she erected a flagpole in concrete, so it's kind of like a camper's world, or a like a like a car dealership when you go to the graveyard now, like there's Papa's grave, you know, by the big old flagpole that she's, that's just a taste of who she is, but she loves country music. She always told us how she cried like a baby on the way to school, riding the school bus when Hank senior passed away. And uh, I appreciate Hank Williams and his songwriting, but obviously Hank junior is a, an icon to me. He is a huge influence and probably one of my favorite artists of all time and uh as is when songwriting as it comes to songwriting alan jackson and eric church are obviously really big influences and tom petty but uh but yeah but nana's done did a great job she actually took me to that first concert that i went to that was Vince okay. gill and alan jackson so yeah she and papa did but yeah their grandparents are all oh, people are awesome my lord they are they're wise <laughs> for a reason i think the more you talk to them the more you can learn
0: and so growing up did you have this big personality? Were you a kid who in front of your grandparents or parents would like get up in the living room and have performances and be singing around the house?
1: I would always sing around the house. And yes, I've always had a big personality, but believe it or not, I was shy, a little bit shy uh, when it came to performing. I guess I've always been like a head set kid and I've you know, always been a chump, but uh it wasn't until like high school that I really started like performing. There was a performing arts group, uh, through our uh, 4-H program in the state of Georgia. Uh, Hillary Lindsay is a product of that. Jennifer Nettles of Sugar Land is a product of that. Kaylee Hammock is also a product of that. And so my, um, it's called Clovers and Company, but they really is encourage youth to, they find really talented youth and they put on a variety show and, uh, Anyway, and that just it really that group did a lot to help my stage uh, presence and to boost my confidence as a performer, uh, as did when I got to college and my buddies wanted to hear the songs that I was writing. And then eventually I started when I played the bars, they would request those songs at the the bars. And so that all I think it all just uh, has to it all has to kind of reaffirm itself before you really take the bull by the horns.
0: Now, I believe your first show was at the Lamplighter Pub. Was that it?
1: Yeah. Good Lord, you did your research, Brendan. <laughs> Some of the best chicken and Wings in Tipton, Georgia.
0: Woo! Nice. And so what was that performance like? You say before that you were nervous. You weren't necessarily someone who got up and did that. And so after being in the 4-H Club, what was it like getting up on a stage by yourself in a bar and performing music?
1: Well, I mean, I knew I couldn't get up there with a, I didn't have a band behind me. And I, you know, karaoke tracks aren't cool. So uh, unless you're just drunk karaoke and I wasn't even, of, I wasn't of legal age yet, but yeah, I uh, had just bought a, I saved and I saved and I borrowed money from my parents too. And I bought a my first acoustic guitar. It was a Canadian made guitar. Uh, it, was, it was a Larrabee and like a cutaway guitar and I knew I said, all right, if I buy a nice guitar, then I'm going to have to learn to play it well. And so that was just something that I did to force myself to uh, to to get out there and start doing the dang thing. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't the player that I am now and I'm not the player that I want to be one day. But but, yeah, just just get to start somewhere.
0: And did your dad get you a guitar at 14?
1: he did he did I was like 13 years old and got me like a fender acoustic he and mother had some trip to the mountains I don't know and he bought me back an acoustic guitar and um and so I tinkered along with it and taught myself some chords but uh, it really wasn't until college my parents got a divorce that I just started diving into songwriting and I really just started playing the guitar it was just kind of my it was my comfort thing you know and uh yeah, Lord, I still need to practice. I'm too busy making TikTok videos. So I feel <laughs> like to pick up Fender, but I, I got one sitting right here beside me. And oh, one nice. Behind me and-
0: yeah, I was going to ask what that guitar collection looks like these days, because I know that, yeah, Fender was sending you some, and you had some from the past, and so yeah. what does your collection look like now?
1: Well, it's to me, it's huge now, considering that I, prior to my Fender deal, I had sold every guitar that I own basically, to pay my band. And because uh, it's expensive, you know, to, to hire a band out and pay, pay them. And they can't play for free forever. Uh, and most people don't know that opening acts only get paid like 250 to 500 bucks a show unless I'm opening for like Hank or a bigger act. Then they'll pay me more than that. But like touring with guys like Cadillac like 3 or was, you know, you're not going to make a lot of money playing those gigs. So, but yeah, but now the arsenal is, uh, well, Gibson's given me a or indefinitely loaned me a really nice SG which is that ACDC rock and roll guitar, for all of those, who are, those of you who are listening. Nice. And uh, I've still got my Telecaster that Jaron Johnson gave me. He's the little front man, lead singer of the Cadillac 3. Yeah, and uh, But he signed me to a publishing deal. Was, I guess it was my first fancy telly that I owned. He signed me to a publishing deal at Sony here in Nashville, Sony ATV in Nashville, and he was like, here, learn it. And that was the boost that I needed to pick up the electric guitar and start start learning it. I just I have a pet peeve of somebody's gonna play an electric especially a woman i'm harder on women because i am one you know so my expectations are just higher for us as women right so uh, if you're gonna sit there and hold the damn thing do something with it and so i'm no eric clapton by any means but uh, i take a few solos in my sets and i try to entertain and uh so yeah i'm excited to be the Fender next artist this year in the face of the new nashville player plus telecaster
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And you talk about Jaron giving you a a guitar. I want to talk about his influence in a second, but I wanted to talk about your move to Nashville. And yes, when you went there, you know, you're working and you're selling boats and all of that. But when you went, did you have any connections at all? Like some people say, oh, a friend of a friend had someone they told me to look up. No,
1: I didn't know a soul. I didn't know a soul. I didn't, I knew my buddy, Matt Runner, who works at Paradigm Booking Agency. He books like Sturgill and Children, some of those guys, I believe. But uh, other than that, I, I didn't really know a soul. Uh, well, I knew I knew one girl who actually works at the record label in Sony, but I mean, she didn't do a thing. <laughs> I mean, she didn't, she didn't owe me anything, but, uh, you know, I just know, I, I didn't know anybody. I didn't. So I made t-shirts. This is 10, 11 year, 11 years ago now, but yeah, I made t-shirts so that, People would approach me, uh, just shirts with, with funky stuff written on them. Like, like I mentioned the like Conway Twitty says, hello, darling. I just love to lay you down. Uh, you know, just, I just made cool shirts. Dallas Davidson actually and Easton Corbin actually approached me, um, because of my Bo-Sepis shirt that I made. Cause there weren't any around at the time. I'm like, man, I want one of those. How do I get one? And anyway, so.
0: And so how long did it take you to become comfortable within the city?
1: Oh, well, I was so blessed. Um, you know, I had a friend of a friend that reached out, who actually lives in Arkansas now, and and uh, these two girls, they just looked after me. They weren't in music business at all, but uh, they just looked out for me and uh, made sure that I had something to do on my birthday, and, you know, I just, I think God sends those people to you, and uh, then I, lo and behold, I discovered, I was reading the Nashville scene, because back then there wasn't Instagram yet, (laughs) (laughs) right, and so if if you wanted to find out what was going on, or what was happening at a bar, who was playing where, you had to go to this magazine, or online to the NashvilleScene.com, and check, it would list it by venue, and this place called Winners was hosting this thing called Whiskey Jam, and I'd heard this great about Whiskey Jam, and so I started going, and it was awesome, I mean, it was a small thing then, so it was like Nashville's best kept secret, and I mean, they had guys like Channing Wilson playing and uh, John Singleton and who was doing the artist thing back then and Eric Pasley and Chris Stapleton and just a lot of talent was getting up and playing. And uh, lo and behold, he let me play. And they, they started calling me Hannah Dam Dasher, <laughs> but <laughs> I got a publishing deal shortly after that. So uh, it kind of all started working together.
0: And with that publishing deal, I think that you had a showcase at the basement did you not leading into that? Publishing Eventually deal? I
1: did. Right? I was a couple of years into my, uh, I, I worked. So many people don't know that I worked with Jeff Stevens, who is Luke Bryan's producer in town. He was my first producer before I worked with Jaren, oh, And okay. I love Jeff Stevens. Yeah. Uh, he's, I love what he's done with Luke Bryan. And I mean, they just have a, like their are working relationship. It is amazing. And uh, I really love the camp that they run. Uh, and he taught me a lot about professional or commercial songwriting. Um, but the you know, career was just taking off, obviously. And and I knew that I needed my I was so country and and country, what we call country music, just wasn't making it on radio at the time. No matter right. how good the song was, country country was not a thing. And so I just knew that I needed to find someone that embraced my the rock and roll vibe that I had, that embraced the uh You know, the left of center thing that I did because I felt like my voice was a country a country instrument within itself. And so my publisher introduced me to Jaron Johnston and Jaron's wife, Evan. I was playing an ASCAP showcase and she works at ASCAP and she brought Jaron out and yeah, he was like he got up on stage with me, hell, but yeah, that led to our relationship. And uh, I can't I can't thank Calic Three enough for all they've done to help me and introduce me to, to touring and things like that and guitar playing.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask if that meeting wouldn't have happened. Like, I imagine your journey would have been very different.
1: I'm sure it would have. Absolutely. Yeah, if not for ASCAP. Um, I love my ASCAP family. So I'm super thankful uh, that I've had people in my corner that that recognize my talent. And uh, I'm a late bloomer. I mean, it just it takes a long time for things to come together and for things to develop. And uh, I've had to kind of wait my turn, but all the while I've been writing great songs and uh, stacking up my arsenal. So uh, I'm just excited for a chance now to hopefully do the damn thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And within that time, you had talked about selling your guitars because of the cost it takes to have a band and to do this music thing. And so over the last 11 years, how many conversations were there with yourself, your friends, your family of, I can't do this. I'm just going to move home and I'm going to get a job because this is just too hard.
1: Oh, never. Hell nope. no. There's never been a backup plan. No, not <laughs> even to marry rich, which I'd like to marry rich, but either so, I'm going to try to make, I'll make coach music till I die. That's just a given, but no, there's, I don't no. I'm a no quit kind of person. Uh, I, I may be ADD, but I, I still finished my tasks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is it difficult sometimes though to keep that positive outlook in this industry
1: um it can be discouraging but I think that's just the devil trying to get to you um you know I think uh I always like if I'm going through a slump or whatnot uh I, I usually I use that as time to self reflect and to say okay what am I doing here that that'll make me better what how can I improve this how can I improve that How can I improve me uh, to make me a better artist, songwriter, a better band leader, a better person to work with? Just you name it. So um, because I just know that that God's preparing me for what he wants me to have. And he's, you know, he'll humble you.
0: (laughs) And when it gets to having cuts with Brad Paisley, that was one of your first big cut. When those moments happen, do you really have to hold on to them and just feel the positivity of that and let that propel you forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This channel, uh, it'll spoil you and then it'll ruin you too. Cause it's like, uh, you know, you, If if you have a little bit of success, it's like, okay, well, what's the next thing you got going on? But that's great because it it keeps the big fire under your butt, but it also can, if you're not careful, you can fall into a, I'm not doing enough slump. And I just think that's why I try to do five things a day to advance my career, whether it's eating healthy, networking, mentoring someone else, practicing the guitar, creating content. Just that way I can go to bed with peace of mind, knowing that I've done uh, all that I can do.
0: And I saw you talk about Jeff Stevens. I saw that back in 2013, you were working on some music with him. You were working yeah. on five tracks, I believe. And then in 2018, you had talked about working with Jaron on a debut album called Heavy. Now, yeah. where did all of that music end up eventually?
1: I love it. Well, the music with Jeff is still in my BMG catalog. One of those songs called Beauty of Perfection made it onto Heavy the record that I cut with Jaron Johnson and Oscar Charles and Oscar doesn't get a lot of the spotlight, but he did a, the, the majority of the work on that. Um, but the label bought the uh, Sony Nashville, Sony music, the record label bought that first album, bought those 10 masters and uh, so that was songs like Stone age, 1990s heartbreak, beauty of imperfection, which as Charlie Worsham singing on that with me, uh, and uh yeah that's why the label sounds was from 90's heartbreak but the label felt like uh i mean it was it was a little it sounded a little bit too much i felt like it sounded a little too much like cadillac free
0: if you will uh
1: you know the the label just thought that it uh the label encouraged me to work with jared as my publisher or whatnot but either merge with uh you know, a, a second producer that would bring a more commercial approach, uh, which um, I mean, I'm absolutely I just I, I feel like uh, sometimes uh, it, it you can't lose who you are, but uh, there's a way to make, uh, you know, if it was up to me, I'd want, you know, I want my song to sound like Skinner with a steel guitar, which my band pretty much does. <laughs> but there's a certain there's a certain shine that you put on commercial music that will make it palatable for a bunch of years. And my whole purpose here is not just to reach a little audience, but I'm trying to reach as many people as possible. Cause my music's fun. It's happy. It brings joy. Anyhow. So, um, I started writing a lot with Brandon hood and so he and Jaron and I did the tree together. And I think that's why the tree just sounds so awesome because it's right. you got that nasty, stanky guitar. and you got <laughs> that Brandon's little thing that he does. So, but, um, but, yeah, Jaren gave me his blessing to cut some sides with Brandon, and we did. We uh, cut the half record. Brandon found Girls called the Shots, and we wrote a lot of the rest. And I'm just so tickled to have that project out there. And uh, I wish they were pushing it to radio, but I hope <laughs> the next thing we'll pick one up.
0: Yeah, soon. And with the tree, you mentioned the tree. Now, you debuted that at the Opry. And I when did. you when you did that, and the reception that it had, how did that make you feel within this whole journey?
1: I don't think the tree is seeing the light of day that it's going to see. I'll answer that that way. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, Ariba has had it on hold twice. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I, there were talks back before all these artists were doing, you know, about two years ago, when I first wrote it, I, I wasn't going to release the tree. I wanted to have a I wanted a guest vocalist to be on it. Uh, I, asked, I asked the label, I was on the same roster with like Luke Combs. I asked the head of labels, like, can we make this happen? I think Luke would be a great addition to this. Like, I need to have a bigger artist to kind of push me out of the wazoo. But I didn't have the manager to pull that off, to secure that, because, you know, it's a big political game. And so uh, I'm just trying to keep writing and write the song that speaks for itself that doesn't need a big manager behind it, that just, it just needs a platform.
0: Yeah, and with the half album coming into it, when did the creation of this album begin? Were most songs done within a certain period of time or are there some rights that go back a couple of years that you had on hold that you were like, yeah, when I get an album, this song is going on
1: it? I love it. I love it. Well, um, I'm a whole record woman and I wanted to put out a whole record, but there wasn't enough left in the recording budget uh, uh.
0: <laughs>
1: to do it. So, uh, so I, uh, we just decided, okay, let's do the half record and then I'll finish the whole record and release them all at once. And uh, the, those songs, to answer your question, those songs were written, uh, majority of those songs were written in 2020. And uh, well, let me see, we've got Shoes, that was written in 2020. Uh, left, right was written actually at the beginning of this year. So that was the only one that's, yeah. That's new. You're going right. to love me was written at the beginning of 2020. Uh, yeah. they think all the shots, uh, Lance Carpenter and the Warren brothers uh, wrote that one. They right. were pleasure.
0: And so did you go into 2020 knowing that you wanted to put it out, out an album and did 2020 push that back? Were you hoping to release it sooner?
1: Yes, but it is, it takes, it takes a long time for things to come to fruition. And when you're on a big label like that, it's like an assembly line, and you kind of have to have to wait your turn in line, and you know, and stuff like that. I mean, when they signed me, they signed me for 1990s heartbreak, and I wanted them to go ahead and and uh, push it out. Then, of course, you know, I wasn't developed yet. I guess as an artist, there we we needed more songs, more big songs to follow it up with. So, uh, Walker Hayes had his '90s song out at the time, which they opted for that one. But anyway, but uh, he's had a lot better luck with Fancy Like. And good for him what a good guy so uh that just bought me the time to uh to try to work on some bigger songs
0: and with you're going to love me how much time did it take to convince you to actually put that on the album
1: oh not at all that I wrote the song as my show opener yeah uh, and I knew that I wanted it to be on my record and I just you know that's my live show is you know where it's upbeat it's honky tonk spanky, you know it's something of the past and something totally fresh that you can't put your finger on. And that's what I wanted the record to be. And just, I mean, hell my house is nostalgic. I am, I mean, I'm dressed <laughs> like Ellie Mae Clampett, but that's who I am. I mean, I went to the dermatologist like this this morning. That's what I, you know, that's I'm me, but I just wanted to give people a taste of that, of, of that. And, uh, but I knew you're going to love me needed to be on the record. And then we, I tasted on TikTok and it went viral.
0: Yeah, exactly. And how, is there a line you walk in producing songs that are fun and sort of ton in, tongue in cheek, but also having that production value that is going to get you the radio play that is going to get that attention?
1: Um, absolutely. I think if, if, if you want to win at this business, I think there's a way to, I call it wrapping the, the medicine, wrapping the pill in a little cheese to get the dog to swallow it. I think, I think that is a line that you cross uh, that is still true to me I mean like for instance I'm into groovy greasy drums uh like the Eric Church and even Morgan Wallen and and Eric Church is, he he gets away with a lot more with what Jay Joyce does as a producer it's a lot dirtier Eric uh Morgan Wallen stuff is a lot cleaner uh and I'm somewhere in between that if that makes sense with it's groovy and fat and heavy but there's a 90s nostalgic 90s country element i think it's my voice because of all my vocal influences i mean hell i had people like reba and laurie morgan and uh, like trisha yearwood and alan jackson to listen to growing up uh so uh and vince Gill, and guys like that so and, and aretha <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but naturally my voice would be a product of what i was raised on singing and uh and there's some patsy klein and, and people hear dolly elements in there too whatever i I'll let them put their finger on it.
0: And with your grandma, when she has the first, well, let's, with this album, when she had the first listen of this album, what was her reaction?
1: Uh, oh, she loved it. I think she was, a, I think she loved it. So, so yeah, she did. <laughs> She's, she loves me. But I, I, the, the reaction that I really love the most is my TikTok following. Um, yeah, because so, that's my biggest platform. And Apple Music has given me a lot of love, Amazon too, but Apple's really giving me a lot of love. And Apple's they, they, they're really big champions of me over there. And I just can't thank them enough for playing my songs and embracing that. And, um, you know, the label puts a lot of weight on, or labels put a lot of weight on Spotify Springs because that's how they draw their money. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but only, you know, 2% of the world's, less than 2% of the world's population is even on Spotify. There's so many other outlets where people, hear music and so that's why I'm trying to work on my YouTube channel now so for your listeners please have them subscribe to uh, Hannah Dasher on YouTube and follow me on the Instagram and on the TikTok but uh but my the response to the half record from TikTok was it's it's been I don't listen to coaching music anymore but I love this mm-hmm. or I don't listen to coaching music but I love this and that's exactly where I want to be uh, musically I'm just I'm just so Tickled to touch people in that way so i'm just uh praying for uh some big management to 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 get on board and to see that uh, when the time is right and let the rest be history
0: that's awesome and with that support and then also the you mentioned the fender being a fender artist and then also the cmt next women of country class yeah now coming out of 2020 how important are those things to just kind of give you the confidence heading out of the year that we had and now moving forward. Was that a pretty big, well, it's always a big deal, but was it even bigger because you want to just get moving forward now?
1: I mean, of course it to to be recognized by big names like that, like CFT or like Fender that's, that's huge. But um, again, I, I try not to lean on, I try not to, rely on things like that for my affirmation, because I just think you can get too bogged down in that. I mean, I'm confident in who, who I was created to be and, and, and in my God-given talent and, and in my uniqueness, because I am the OG, there's nobody else that's doing what I'm doing. Uh, they may try, but I mean, but right, what is, what do they say often, uh, often Im- imitated, but never duplicated. I just, uh, that's where I draw my confidence and my affirmation and, and, uh, And when I'm performing shows, there are people that are coming out and, you know, everywhere I go, i am taking a picture with somebody because of this damn TikTok platform or because of this half record. So I'm just that is that's where I pull my joy and and my confidence and knowing that I'm doing something that's that's touching people. that's really working.
0: And when you look at that confidence and you look back 11 years when you first got to Nashville, how Mm -hmm. has that changed within you as an individual?
1: Wow. Well, I mean, I just, I'm a, I'm again, I'm like, I'm not much of a guitar player. I'm, I fake it pretty well, but I, uh, you know, when I look back and I can just as a musician and I compare where I am now to where I was then and how I know the number system now, and I didn't know it then, you know, I just, yeah, it it just gives you a sense of pride. I'm a much better songwriter than I was uh, when I moved to town and thank God I should be. And I hope to be a better one next year.
0: And uh, I wanted to talk about the support of your fans because you have some videos on your Instagram of unboxing some fan mail. And I saw one, it was like a Christmas list from a little girl. And one of the things on her Christmas list was to have Hannah Dasher come to her house. And so what is that like when you're receiving those types of things from fans?
1: Oh, well, giving give, and get, receiving gifts is one of my love languages. So, you know, I ended up, I just had a, a Barbie doll, a fan from LA made a Barbie doll look like me. And she's, I've never seen a Barbie doll with thick thighs and a big butt, but this one did. And it was, she's cute as a butt. And I've shown y'all, but I've got my whole music room in there is full of uh, these uh, precious gifts that fans give me t-shirts and Lord and uh, jewelry and coffee and you name it. So, uh, and then a lot of them now are dressing up like me for Halloween. So I'm excited to, I'm thinking about having a Hannah Dasher uh, Halloween costume contest. Trying to decide what I'm going to
0: give them, though. <laughs> so. that, that is awesome. And what does the next month or two hold? And also, when can we expect the second half of the half album?
1: All righty. So, in the next month, um, I'm releasing another song, a song called Tall Boy. And uh, just in time for tailgate football tailgate season and uh, that'll be at the end of October 24th, I believe is the projected date for that. On um, the 10th, I am checking something else off my bucket list. I'm singing the national anthem at a major NASCAR race on TV. That's Charlotte, October the 10th. Good old Sunday race. I'm doing that and uh, performing some shows with the Steelwoods. And uh, I'm going to try to crash another show of a big artist here in town for my tailgate tour. Uh, But uh, so I'm hoping to do that. Otherwise, the next tailgate dates that are, which are dates outside of my regular tour um, will be in December 17th and 18th. I'll be in North Carolina and South Carolina.
0: When you're crashing the parking lots of these major tours, what has it been like? Because I read Eric Church did that a few years ago, but he got kicked out. And so when you're doing it, has there been anything like that? Have you been kicked out yet or has it been all good?
1: I've been kicked out of a parking spot, but, uh, but I still made it happen in hell. I had probably 45 people uh, show up, which is great. I was uh, like like for the Eric churches for his uh, opening week. And so the thing is I I don't announce the artist I'm doing it for, but people are finding out whiskey riff has been giving me a lot of love this month. They just wrote another great article this week um, about me. And I'm just so thankful for people just recognizing my, you know, my elbow grease, but um, I knew the best way. I, I just, I didn't get on the tours that I wanted to. So uh, this year, because I, I don't have a big manager, so I just decided to make my own damn tour. And uh, to, to bring my music to the fans. And so I had a dear fan. Uh, he's a bus driver, Cole is his name. But he donated his F-350 to me to use indefinitely. So I've got F F-350 flatbed Ford that, I, that we drive. And I've got a really nice banner printed and a PA system. And, uh, yeah, I just, I show up to the parking lot of some of my favorite acts, like the Brothers Osborne. And uh, I sh- the intent was for me to show up and steal their fans. But all my fans are showing up just to <laughs> drive out just come an hour just to come meet me and hear my music. And, uh, and it's just, it's a blessing. Like, I've never played in Columbus, Ohio, but I, there's 25 people that showed up in the parking lot that was half a mile away from the venue because that's the only one I could find that I wasn't going to get kicked out of. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm more of an ask for ask forgiveness than an ask permission person.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And so finally, when can we expect the second half of the album? Do you have a plan for it yet?
1: Yes. It's the plan is underway. It'll be next year, but the plan is underway and man, I write some great songs. And one of the, I guess, holdups is like, we, we, uh, we think we've got the songs and then I'll turn in one. We're like, oh, damn, that's gotta go on it too. So it's going to be a matter of, uh, of narrowing it down and, uh, and, in a matter of growing my team because I really, uh, I want to make an I want to make an impact with this thing. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of a go big or go home girl.
0: Right. And so is it going to be released as a sort of part two EP or are you just going to package it as an album and release it as an album? Do you know yet?
1: I do not know yet. Uh, I, I would like to release it as a, as a whole record, but um, I'm hoping, uh, well, I mean, at at the least it will be, it will be packaged as a part two at the least. I mean, either way, fans are gonna get the music, but, uh, but yeah, it just depends on that recording budget and what I'm able to do.
0: Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Hannah for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her new EP, The Half Record, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbours to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.